have two words for you, predator drones. You will never see it coming. I think I'm joking. Drones are being used in drone strikes, and I support that entirely and feel the president was right. There's a reason why we shouldn't be using drones. It's because we don't just take out the target. We take out a lot of innocent civilians in these countries where these drones attack. But this is basically blowing up in our faces. We've seen the blowback all across the Middle East. What if our foreign policy of the past century is deeply flawed and has not served our national security interests? I hate categories. Categories okay if you're going to the grocery store. But for me, the category screwed a lot of people up. Make everything metal. Blacker than the blackest black times infinity. Thought Radio, San Diego's source for heavy metal and other genres that are ignored by mainstream radio. San Diego's only libertarian talk show in a conservative-dominated market. More hard-hitting journalism than even the professionals themselves. Free Thought Radio, free speech, free expression, and free snow call. Only on KKSM Oceanside, AM 1320. The Radio Revolution. As it applies to you and me, our country isn't free. Welcome to Free Thought Radio, everybody. <laughs> Freethoughtmedia.org. The show is every Monday from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And exactly the subject of tonight's show, which is uh, police militarization, uh, police accountability, and uh, police reform, uh, specifically on the tactic of civil asset forfeiture, which is downright evil. And my next guest heads up the effort uh, to try to reform such a tactic. Joining me now is Epin Thampi. He's the head of Americans for Forfeiture Reform. They seek to uh, end the practice of asset forfeiture uh, by police departments. Epin, thank you very much for coming by the program. Thanks, Alex. Glad to be here. So, so give us a bit of background on yourself, uh, how you discovered the police tactic of asset forfeiture, and also briefly describe what that is to our listeners and, and why that, uh, that uh, caused you to decide to start Americans for Forfeiture Reform. Well, Alex, um, asset forfeiture is essentially uh, a law that allows governments at the state and federal level to take your property. Uh, they don't have to necessarily convict you of a crime or even charge you with uh, wrongdoing. Uh, but law enforcement could take your property. They can keep your property for their own budget. So you hear about a lot of instances where, for instance, the authorities make an arrest and seize cash and money or, you know, cars or uh, or other property. And all that money, all that property goes back to law enforcement. It's, it's, uh, it allows uh, law enforcement to become focused on recovering property as opposed to uh, necessarily fighting crime. And, and that really 
that, that incentive structure, that perverse uh, focus on profits over justice, has really fundamentally changed the legal system. It really has changed the way law enforcement and prosecutors operate um, um, to, um, and, and really has has a tremendous impact on, on ultimately how uh, Americans are treated in, in their own country. And uh, my my first introduction to to this tactic was uh, through Reason Magazine, where a guy who, uh, his last name was Smelly, and he was traveling by car to his grandmother's house uh, to buy her a new car with some settlement money he got from an accident. Uh, he was pulled over, and when the officer ran his name through, he found an old drug charge from uh, when he was in high school a long time ago, and that for the police officer was enough reason uh, to take the entire lump sum of cash he had him on him uh, under suspicion that he either obtained it or would use it towards the sale of illicit drugs. And the legal battle to get the property back would probably cost him more than the property stolen. Why is it so hard to get back stolen property, and why is the legal process so time-consuming and costly? Well, unlike the criminal process, civil asset forfeiture is based on Admiralty law, it's based on the law of the high seas. And what it says is that when the government wants your property, they can see your property as if your property were was a person. So you see these uh, crazy court cases, United States government versus 25,000 in U.S. currency, United States current, uh, government versus one 1952 uh, Ford Mustang, you know, whatever. Um, so it's important to understand that this is not a mechanism of the criminal process. It's not even necessarily a mechanism of the civil, you know, fine or regulatory process. This is a, its own body of law. This is its own uh, unique uh, practice, and it developed over the last 30, 40 years. Uh, uh, in 1970, particularly, Congress passed the Controlled Substances Act, and that gave forfeiture as a tool uh, to law enforcement. And then in 1984, Congress said, we should allow law enforcement, we should allow government agencies to simply uh, take that money and keep it for themselves to fund drug enforcement. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the introduction of this notion that you didn't have to go to Congress, you didn't have to justify your budget, you could just seize property and put it back into the budget for police officer salaries, for training, for equipment, for really whatever you know you wanted. Um, does that kind of answer the question? Uh, when people go to court, uh, uh, often like oh, just yeah. even law, lawyer fees, legal fees exceed the the value of the property stolen. Right, right, right. So you're so yeah. So yeah, we talked about this uh, notion, right? So under the Constitution, you're allowed to innocent until proven guilty. But the way that the government has gotten around this is it said, okay, well your property isn't you. So in this crazy legal system where we can sue your property, you don't have those rights that you're guaranteed under the Bill of Rights. You know, there's little protection offered by, um, and, and, and again, like I said, you know, this is not a criminal process. So the government can create essentially this totally new process um, where you don't have rights. You don't have the right to an attorney. You don't have, you know, the government doesn't provide you an attorney if you're too poor for one. So most people whose property is taken from them don't have any real options in terms of going to, um, I mean, they don't have 
the protections. They don't have the uh, ability to necessarily go to court and fight for their property, especially when, you know, this is a law that, you know, very few people understand or know how to use. Um, and, and like you said, yeah, you know, so you have to go to court, you have to find an attorney, um, uh, and, and not just an attorney who knows how to practice criminal law, because like I said, this civil forfeiture is not criminal law, you know, so you can find a defense attorney, but they don't know necessarily uh, how to handle a civil forfeiture. It's not typically something they do. And also because the government is usually taking your property before you've I mean, again, you don't have to be convicted or even charged with a crime. So, uh, in that case, you know, if, if the government is taking your $10,000, if the government is taking your automobile, if the government is taking your house, often it's taking the very property or the very money or the resources that you might, you know, trade to uh, get adequate legal representation. So, the government effectually has taken away your ability to find or, or to represent yourself uh, in, in those proceedings by, uh, you know, stealing your life. And that's a very uh, important issue for people to understand. You know, the government has so many advantages already in the courts, now they can bankrupt you before they even ever come after you in a criminal case, which is extremely intimidating. And, and in fact, you know, most of the uh, forfeitures that happen in the United States end up being... Uh, defaulted on when people just miss the deadline and don't know what to file, or their attorney, if they're lucky enough to have one, you know, makes a simple mistake and the prosecutor just says, okay, well, uh, we, I guess you default on your uh, claim for your property, so we keep it. Wow. And and um, there, there was also a story about how um, police officers in a highway in Texas would purposefully pull over people of color and then give them the choice of asset forfeiture or jail. Um, how does asset forfeiture enable power abuses by racist police officers, and how does that coincide with the general racist overtones of the war on drugs for which, like you said, asset forfeiture was mainly meant for? That's a good discussion to have. And, you know, the way I kind of see it is that, especially in the case of the case you're talking about, is uh, in Tenaha, Texas. And what happened was, the pro local prosecutor and the local police decided to just stop minorities and steal their property. And, and, and there's actually some uh, testimony from the deputy police chief of Kenaha where he talks about how God told him to do narcotics enforcement and take property from people. Oh, um, man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is completely insane. Um, and, and actually, there's some good news on that front. The ACLU uh, went to bat for a class action lawsuit of uh, the 150 or so um, black and Hispanic people who have been victimized by, by these highway shakedowns in Texas and actually won a pretty good uh, settlement, uh, early, you know, uh, mid-last year. But, you know, your earlier question, you know, um, so, you know, the war on drugs began as a fundamentally racist exercise it has evolved into a uh, machine where, you know, minorities uh, or, or, you know, um, uh, it's evolved into a machine where, you know, you don't have to necessarily be individually racist. You know, um, you know the, the police officer may not necessarily be a racist person, but it's evolved into a machine certainly that uh, crushes, uh, you know, poor and politically weak people. Um, 
forfeiture kind of definitely plays a role in that system. You know, forfeiture is one way in which law enforcement obtains really stunning amounts, uh, stunning amounts of power uh, without real check or balance. You know, when you have your own slush fund, when you can take property at will, um, you begin. It's very easy to begin running over people's rights, um, and you know that creates institutional cultures that become very dangerous and very difficult to change. You know, institutional cultures of corruption, of, of disrespect for individuals and and their rights, uh, disrespect for the Constitution, um, and, and kind of what I'm. Uh, kind of what's happening now is that while at its core the war on drugs remains an utterly racist institution, I think the war on drugs is also bigger than racism in a lot of ways because in, in this system you don't have to be black or white, you know, you just have to have property and the police just have to look at you as a target rather than as a citizen who they're supposed to protect. And, you know, that changing that relationship between government and citizen where suddenly the government agents are predatory and what they're, the way they look at you, really, um, it, it allows for you know, tremendous amounts of social problems, of uh, uh, political problems, you know, ultimately, you know, the, the, the failures of, of the war on drugs. What effects do you think uh, legalization in Colorado and Washington will have at dramatically reducing the instances of uh, seizing assets? Okay, so uh, this is a question that's kind of uh, being answered in an ongoing fashion. You know? um, so legalization is tremendously important. In some ways, it's kind of like the first um, bricks of the rolling wall falling down, you know, because that is really, you know, making it politically possible to change drug policy, making it politically possible to change marijuana policy, really uh, changes the entire debate over the war on drugs and its structure, um, and what the war on drugs is doing to our government. On another level, uh, legalization efforts, uh, successful legalization efforts, also uh, build tremendous um, popular um, and financial support for reform efforts. So um, while I don't necessarily see asset forfeiture going away in Washington and Colorado, certainly um, it, it, the use of forfeiture as a tool to finance the drug war will be very limited there, or at least limited out, or, or, uh, um, or at least law enforcement will have access to uh, the marijuana industry as a source of revenue uh, through seizures. So, um, you know, you're building industries that have invested in change, invested in reform, and, you know, it starts with marijuana, but you know, ultimately, I think a lot of the goals of the people in the drug policy movement are to, you know, uh, rearticulate the entire framework of drug regulation and enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the legalization um, in Colorado and Washington truly represents uh, uh, one of the fundamental steps to making those things a reality. And so much of it has to do with making it possible, making it thinkable, and building the industries and uh, donor base that will finance you know, meaningful change. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And uh, for those just joining, I'm speaking with Ethan Thampy. He's the director of Americans for Forfeiture Reform. They seek to end civil asset forfeiture as a means of policing tactics, which is a police officer can just merely suspect you of a crime, not charge you, not 
have a reasonable cause and then uh, can take your property. Um, what, what are the exorbitant profits uh, police departments make off of asset forfeiture and, and the, some of the things they use uh, these funds for, like not just policing, but sometimes fancy dinners and, and vacations for police chiefs? Oh, yeah. So, um, so asset forfeiture uh, really brought in a tremendous source of revenue for law enforcement for the last 20, 30 years. In 1984, the Department of Justice began keeping forfeiture revenue by itself for the first time. Previously, that money had gone to the Treasury Department and was spent through the general fund. Now, all that money goes straight to law enforcement, to the, to, uh, the Department of Justice and their subsidiary agencies. In 1987, the DEA became self-funding, or at least they brought in more seizure revenue than the size of their budget. Wow. Yeah. 1984, uh, today, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Well, a lot of things happened in 1984 that uh, really uh, were bad. You know, the Comprehensive Crime Control Act, and, uh, I believe 1986 was the Anti-Drug Abuse Act as well. But, you know, that really, uh, you know, civil forfeiture existed as uh, enforcement um, for drug laws, but 1984 and 1986 congressional laws really uh, changed the game, really empowered law enforcement. In, in, in a lot of powerful ways that Congress simply didn't understand that. Um, so, yeah, a lot of this money is uh, spent on things that citizens don't want, uh, police militarization, drug law enforcement. Um, but a lot of it is simply wasted. Uh, law enforcement agencies with large forfeiture, forfeiture revenue streams uh, end up often, you know, buying expensive automobiles, buying you know, giving out bonuses to their officers, kind of like commissions. You know, there's, uh, there's a law enforcement agency that <laughs> um, often do that exactly. You know, you know, there's been uh, reports of law enforcement agents who, uh, you know, get, you know, cash commissions out of forfeitures. Or, uh, those are illegal, of course, but it does happen. Um, um, something that really frightened me the other day is, so last year, Google got hit with a $500 million forfeiture fine for showing ads from Canadian pharmacies to U.S. customers. And then that fine, that $500 million, which is completely absurd for uh, that kind of offense, ended up going you know, split between the Department of Justice and Rhode Island police agencies. Wow. And the scary thing is the police agencies are using that money to fill the gaps in their pension funds. And that's scary because... Now, once it becomes apparent that these kind of too big to fail players in the financial sector uh, are working for cash, um, you know, it becomes a cronious game of political opportunism to connect the dots between, um, you know, your links to power through the Justice Department and big, huge pots of money like, you know, the money that Google has or any other big industry or big business has. Um, you know, um, I mean, of course, you know, on, on the smaller level, you know, there's cases where law enforcement by, you know, you know, did something completely illegal with their money or completely wow. wasteful with their money. They're really a dime a dozen. You can find them any place in the United States that you care to look. Mm -hmm. Definitely. 
And I, I'm also a musician, and I was incredibly disgusted by the security video. On it was either on John Stossler or Judge Napolitano from from a band's recording studio, which while they were away, police officers broke into their studio over suspicion of a crime, and were pretty much caught on tape saying something along the lines of, uh, "You know that drum set's pretty happening. Let's forfeit it." <laughs> what, what do you know about that story, and why does that illustrate the totali- totalitarian nature of these laws? Well, I mean, here you have law enforcement to have this kind of institutional environment where, you know, it's not just, you know, about the money for the department, but about their personal gain that they can extract from their positions of power and and trust and responsibility. So, um, you know, it, it tells me that, you know, our law, you know, the way that we have, um, that Americans have decided to ha- have law enforcement as part of society needs to be dramatically rethought and restructured, you know. And, and, it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be very radical either, you know. All we really advocate is a return to that natural way of, of, of governance in terms of, of uh, checks and balances, you know, where mm-hmm. the legislative branch apportions all the funding. And you kind of have that link between voter desires and voter preferences and legislative outcomes, you know. And, and we understand that, you know... This Account- accountability. Human. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and this system isn't perfect, you know. Uh, we have, uh, you know, any society with a legislature or with laws or with, you know, any kind of democracy, you know, has its own failings, but, you know, the... the at least the failings of legislatures, at least the links of democratic governance provide enough checks that, you know, citizen rights, American rights, constitutional rights are generally respected and enforced. You know, the status quo where law enforcement gets to essentially take what they want um, for their own benefit fundamentally changes that relationship. You have independent government agencies that have no real connection to voter, you know, to, to citizens' desires and preferences. You know, we've lost a lot of control over, you know, those basic mechanisms. Um, so, you know, that's one of the basic critiques that we can articulate in, about this system, you know, especially in context of the war on drugs. And a lot of this enforcement, a lot of this um, enforcement really has no basis in democratic reality. Um, and and I, I think we kind of see... That conversation playing out in, in a different uh, in, in different ways in different uh, arenas, but you know, um, you know, it, it's it's a conversation I think Americans are gradually waking up to. Mm-hmm. And and what what power do municipalities, states, and the federal government, each respectively, have the power to stop asset forfeiture, especially uh, you know, you know m- municipalities, especially the ones that have their own. Uh, police department rather than counties or, or, or in other cities? Well, at the certain municipal level, we can definitely look at nullification strategies. Strategies, You know, we can say at the municipal and state level, our local law enforcement won't cooperate with federal law enforcement on asset forfeiture, that we won't take their money. That if law enforcement is going to spend money on public safety, it has to come from us. It can't come from people that are not us, you know that are not local taxpayers. Because when you get money from federal agencies that's unregulated and uncontrolled, when you, when you get forfeiture revenue from um, 
from legal theft that's unregulated and uncontrolled, you, you really lose that, that element of local democracy of, of, uh, of, of the, you lose that, uh, chain that, uh, you know, forces law enforcement to really serve the people and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, at the federal level, you know, we have to look at the strategy of both political change. You know, it's really going to be at least another administration before we have the uh, ability to move forward on meaningful reform, I, I think. Although, you know, there are some short-term political goals that are probably doable in the next four years, but, you know, it, it probably will be a new administration before we get fundamental change. Um, so we have to build the support for that over time. You know, we have to build the constituency in Congress that we need to, uh, that, that, that will move against uh, the Department of Justice and their institutional uh, and institutionally funded lobbyists. Um, um, you know, and, and of course, you know, we have to be vigilant in the courts. You know, the courts are not always uh, good places for rights to, um, you know, <laughs> be talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, we have to, we have to at least be there and, and uh, oh, uh, you know, be fighting the, the battles that we can at least uh, win, you know. What, what uh, I, uh, I, I, I believe that uh, Americans for Forfeiture Reform and, and you are, are fighting for laws to be passed at the legislative level. Um, tell, us, tell us more about that, uh, which states uh, and um, what, what can uh, people do in their own states if they maybe don't have one uh, to lobby for one. Okay, so 26 out of the 50 states... Uh, get 100% of the revenue uh, in forfeiture to law enforcement. And even the states that, for instance, you know, there are six states that mandate a felony conviction before forfeiture of California and Missouri included. Um, but but even in those places, the law, you know, law enforcement just simply does not follow the law. They don't, they don't, um, they don't do the, the things that they're supposed to do. They keep the money. They, um, you know, they, they retain this institutionally corrupt system. Um, so in the places where, you know, and, and the law is really bad pretty much everywhere, you know, we really need to begin organizing and integrating the message of asset forfeiture reform into the larger conversations that are happening in political parties, um, you know, and, and in specific interest group constituencies. Because one of the realities of asset forfeiture is that there is really no one, once they understand the issue, who can honestly say, you know, it is in my best interest for the system to remain the way it is. Uh, with the exception, of course, uh, law enforcement, but, um, you know, they're the, certainly the most biased uh, players here. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know, one way that we can begin that long, and it will be a long process, of mobilizing reform is really, um, you know, understanding the issue, educating people, you know, um, we're organizing efforts in several states, Georgia, Missouri, California, um, Michigan, Texas, Florida, uh, definitely the, you know, New York, definitely some of the states at the top of the list, uh, Montana. Um, but, you know, um, you know we're, we're working with people there and uh, trying, to, trying to move the ball. So, you know, <laughs> after next year if we've accomplished anything, but we'll see. Definitely, and let me know what you think about this. What effect may domestic drone surveillance have on asset forfeiture, meaning 
that as a, a, a police officer only needs a dubious suspicion to take your property without charging you with a crime, a drone may capture something and then signal their field officers to go into someone's house and take their property. Is that is that a real possibility? Yeah, um, that, that definitely is a real possibility. The DEA and other federal agencies already have uh, officers whose full-time job it is to hunt for property to take. Um, there was a case litigated and one actually by the Institute for Justice up in Massachusetts on, a be- on behalf of a gentleman named Russ Caswell. Uh, the DEA had a officer who looked up some arrest records from the last 10 years and found out that, that some people had been arrested at Mr. Caswell's hotel. There was no allegation that Mr. Caswell had done anything ever wrong. He was never charged or convicted of anything. Um, there's no... <laughs> um, and, and in fact, it actually, Mr. Caswell always cooperated with law enforcement over the period that he owned his motel, yet the DEA said, we're going to file a civil forfeiture claim in federal court. So the government already has people hunting for your stuff. You know, the question is, to what degree will, you know, the use of drone surveillance increase that? <laughs> I think you probably already articulated uh, part of that answer. You know, they can uh, just survey large areas of property and, um, you know, feed it through a computer, and once in a while they see something they want to take or something that looks interesting to them. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's uh, suspicion, which is enough for the, for the seizure and the forfeiture, and uh, there you go. So. Wow. <laughs> And uh, the show being from San Diego, the uh, police department actually lied about not having a drone. They do have a drone. And this year, 2013, is the first year that uh, drones are flying over the, our skies domestically. Uh, but uh, they probably were already in 2012. I read articles about them. You know, they could test drive them before they even paid fully for them. It's just crazy. Um, how, how can people help out with Americans for Forfeiture Reform? whether nationally or locally, and what is the Indiegogo project for ending policing for profit? Yeah, so I started an emergency forfeiture reform three years ago. We have uh, made some, uh, we've made a difference in some places. Uh, we helped victims who were facing their property seizure with obtaining uh, legal representation, uh, publicity, and uh, you know, helping them out with their defense. Um, and, and like we talked about, we're organizing around the nation to Build that constituency that will really be meaningful um, when we have the right opportunity in Congress. So, uh, if you want to be part of that, you can look us up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com, forfeiture reform, uh, or at the web, forfeiturereform.com. Uh, we also get syndicated through uh, uh, the Weed Blog and copblock.org awesome. and a couple other aspects. <laughs> um, so, uh, any of those ways are great ways to, go, to get. In, get a hold of us, you know, if you're following your Facebook page, we, uh, we're constantly posting updates and media on there, um, so that's a really good way to be engaged with us. And uh, the, the uh, Indiegogo project for uh, ending policing for, for profit? Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, we're, um, uh, it's very difficult to raise money for asset forfeiture because you have to educate people before they're uh, willing to give you money, and this is a difficult issue to really uh, sometimes present to people because it's complex, uh, because it's a technical subject, because it's a legal subject. Uh, although people do kind of understand this notion that uh, the police are thieves in a lot of places. Um, so it's really connecting the dots between, okay, that kind of vague notion 
kind of vague awareness that that law enforcement is out of control and, uh, you know, educating people about specifically what's working going on here. Um, so uh, we are trying to raise money uh, to sponsor some of our work. Uh, the uh, campaign that we're uh, throwing out there is uh, the Indiegogo fundraising campaign, and you can look at it. And, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have a lot of perks on it, so people, we're trying to really convince people that uh, you should be supporting our mission and you know, helping us broadcast the material that's necessary to make a difference. Uh, so, uh, you know, please go, go check it out. The address is Indiegogo.com and Policing for Profit. Um, and, you know, if you can, you know, if, uh, if you feel like throwing us some bucks, uh, we'll make sure it's put to good use. Definitely. Well, I've been speaking with Epen Thampi. He's the director of Americans for Forfeiture Reform. Please check them out. Google civil asset forfeiture. Familiarize with uh, what the tactic is and what the abuses are. Epen, thank you very much for joining the program. All right. Thank you. And if you missed any part of the episode, uh, the podcast will be available at mediafire.com slash freethoughtradio, or you can go on iTunes and search for Freethought and look for Free Thought AAC. Be sure to subscribe, download there for free as well. And it is uh, time for the KKSM News Brief. Now here is the leaked audio from the trial of Private First Class Bradley Manning. Take a listen. Attention to the location, 
one of the aerial weapons team crew members verbally asked for a wounded person to pick up a weapon so that he can have a reason to engage. For me, this seems similar to a child torturing hands with a magnifying glass. Shortly after the second engagement, a mechanized infantry unit arrives at sea. With a menace, the air weapons team crew learns that children, that children are in the van, and despite the injuries, the, the crew exhibits no remorse. Instead, they downplay the significance of their actions, saying, quote, well, it's their fault for bringing their kids into a battle, unquote. For me, it's all a big mess, and I'm left wondering what these things mean, and how it all fits together, and it burdens me emotionally. Saved a copy of the video on my workstation. At, at the time, I placed the video and rules of engagement information onto my personal laptop on, on about 21 February 2010. I used the WLO submission form and uploaded the documents. The WLO released the video on 5 April 2010. And that was the unauthorized and leaked. Uh, audio recording of the Bradley Manning testification uh, for his leaking of documents to WikiLeaks, uh, thanks to the Pre Freedom of Press Foundation for releasing that. The weather outside here where KKSM wonderfully broadcasts out of is 59 degrees, and uh, there are some problem areas in traffic. The 78 eastbound at Barham Woodland, which is a 24 miles per hour slowdown. 70, 78 eastbound at Nordahl Road, which is a 44 miles per hour slowdown. And 78 westbound uh, at Nordahl, which is 26 miles per hour. Uh, also 15 southbound at the uh, around the 52 which is nine miles per hour that has been your kksm news brief i'm alex fiddle here host of free thought radio which continues right now now i want to play two songs uh to relate to uh police asset forfeiture legalized theft um this first song again women's history month uh playing tribute to female rockers i want to play a song by the plasmatics featuring the charismatic wendy o williams uh, this song is called Pig is a Pig. And then after that, Violent by Tupac. Tupac, sorry. <laughs> You're listening to KKSM, The Radio Revolution. Now this song is dedicated to a special kind of person. The kind of person who's hiding under rocks and in closets wherever you go. Hiding behind the guise of respectability The cowardly journalist Who hides behind his typewriter Exploiting people who can't fight back The assassin who strikes people by surprise The sicky sadist Who hides behind his police badge To commit crimes of violence against other people Whatever role they're playing, these creeps are always the same. Because a pig is a pig, and that's that.
Violent by Tupac, and before that, Pig is a Pig by Plasmatics. And again, completely censored with bleeps because I want to make censorship annoying, so annoying that in fact you may question it and it hopefully it will get repealed in the future. Uh, not, not so clever satire for censorship uh, to sort of one-dimensional type humor, but still, hopefully... Uh, we can get censorship repealed. Um, up next, I've got uh, two tracks. One by local metal band Cage. Um, they are internationally known. Awesome metal band. Great singer, Sean Peck. Um, but they're right here in San Diego. And then after that, going across the pond from San Diego, way across the pond to France for the band Sortilage. And this is one of their uh, French-speaking songs, and it is Maria por una princesse. Uh that sounded Spanish. I can't speak French. Sorry, but um, um, and it's from their album Heroes Tears. So this is Scarlet Witch by Cage, and then after that, Morir por una princesa here on KKSM, the Radio Revolution. Be right back.
You're listening to KKSM AM 1320 Oceanside, PalomarCollegeRadio.com.
Win Her Heart by Sorderly, the French version, and before that, Scarlet Witch by Cage. I'm joined now by KKSM News correspondent Toby Macy with a KKSM News Brief. Good evening, it's 7.03, and I'm Toby Macy with this KKSM News Brief. San Diego police are currently on the lookout for four armed robbers after two local businesses were robbed within hours of each other on Saturday. The first robbery occurred around 6.30 p.m. at an AT&T store in Rancho Bernardo, and the second robbery around 9 p.m. at a bookstore in Kearney Mesa. Nobody was hurt in either robbery. Police originally thought that the two robberies might have been connected, but after further investigation dropped that theory. All four suspects were described as African-American armed with handguns. As of 12 p.m. Sunday, no arrests have been made. A charred body was found in a burnt-out convertible while battling a seven-acre wildfire in the San Jacinto Mountains. Sheriff's officials say that the fire crews found the car along a road on the Santa Rosa Indian Reservation on Friday. The body was burned so bad that they weren't able to identify the person. The fire started Friday south of Idlewild and northeast of Anza and was fully contained by Saturday morning. A small private airplane crashed into a house after clipping two other homes, killing two people inside the plane, and leaking enough jet fuel to evacuate the nearby homes. This all occurred on Sunday in a northern Indiana neighborhood. The plane tried to land at South Bend Regional Airport just northeast of the incident. After trying to land once, the pilot went back up and headed south to try again. Eight minutes after, the airport learned the plane had crashed. A National Transportation Safety Board investigator arrived at the scene late Sunday to find out exactly what caused the plane to crash and to find out ways to prevent something like this from happening again. A popular casino in Australia has been scammed out of $32 million. A foreigner staying at the Crown Casino used the surveillance cameras to cheat while playing cards. According to the casino, information taken from the high-resolution cameras was being signaled to the high roller. A staff member in the VIP gambling area was fired and the man involved was uncovered several weeks ago. The Crown Casino believes it can recover a significant portion of the money. It's currently 59 degrees in San Marcos. Broadcasting live from Palomar College, I'm Toby Macy, KKSM News. Thank you, Toby. And for those listening on AM 1320 in North County, San Diego, and then some, uh, the traffic around the 78 westbound at Center City Parkway is a slowdown to 50 miles per hour. That is about it for the problem areas in traffic. Uh, you're listening to Free Thought Radio. I'm your host, Alex Fiddle. Be sure to check out the site freethoughtmedia.org. I am accepting donations of Bitcoin. And um, you could also find the Facebook page at facebook.com slash freethoughtradio. So continuing with the theme of Women's History Month, here uh, in the month of March, I want to play a song by a band called Lush. They're a very good uh, shoegaze-type band uh, from the 90s, and they had a very good female singer. And here is one of their songs from the album Split. It is called Desire Lines. And uh, you're listening to KKSM, The Radio Revolution.
views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and not of KKSM, Palomar College, its staff, the board of directors, or station management. You're listening to KKSM, Palomar College Radio. KKSM. We're like the Goonies, but with ADD. The Radio Revolution. And that last song you heard was Desire Lines by Lush, the great, great female singer in celebration of Women's History Month. And uh, for those that live in San Diego, uh, here listening on either KKSM AM 1320, Cox Cable Channel 957, or uh, PalomarCollegeRadio.com or FreeThoughtMedia.org, um, I would encourage anybody who is concerned about the issue of medical cannabis, the protection of patients and caregivers, to attend a court hearing. Uh, uh, for those of you that are familiar with um, the way um, people, average people can stick up for medical cannabis patients or providers is through court support. If you know somebody, um, it's as simple as that's going through that hard time of a trial, you know, instead of uh, sitting at home and uh, giving them your thoughts of hope and everything, go with them. Wear a green ribbon. Uh, you could be your own court support. Or there, I interviewed Joe Grumbine a few weeks ago of the Human Solution in L.A. He do, does a he does that with a bunch of people. Or San Diego Americans for Safe Access here in San Diego. All over the country, there's different uh, groups doing different kinds of court support. Uh, you could do your own if you don't if uh, you lack such a thing. But the trial is happening tomorrow at 9 a.m. It's the retrial of Jovan Jackson, and he's been going through many many trials. Um, he, he's actually won a lot of them, and that those trials have actually set precedent in favor of medical cannabis and providers, specifically dispensaries, saying that they are legal. And uh, the only thing that's standing in the way of that actually being implemented is our district attorney, Bonnie DeManis, who seems more interested in following federal law when she is, in fact, paid by the state and is a state employee, not a federal employee. So she has no business of carrying out these laws. So if you would like to stand up for that, or I'm sorry, stand up against that and stand up for Jovan Jackson, um, the court uh, hearing is tomorrow at 9 a.m., San Diego Superior Courthouse, Department 5, uh, which is 220 West Broadway, San Diego, California, 92101. Just show up with a green ribbon, sit on his side of the courtroom, and believe me, court support has the same effect as jury nullification um, because it's only by chance if someone on the jury knows about jury nullification that they could uh, judge the law itself if they think the law is unjust or if they think the case is unjust or the prosecution against the innocent person is unjust, um, then that person can hang the jury. But in absence of that chance happening, um, um, court support definitely makes it more of a chance that that person will have a favorable outcome in their trial. So, for this next song, this song is uh, this next song is called "Mind Control" by Sons of Liberty, and uh, Sons of Liberty is the band started by Ice Earth frontman John Schaffer. And I have stopped watching all mainstream media uh, news sources because they are so shallow, so superficial. As cat fashion shows. Uh, RT actually had a really great satire commercial saying that all these guys do is talk about the weather when there's actually real news to report on, you know, something that happens all the time, which is weather. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it seems like it's, it's, it's a distraction from the real issues. The only time CNN ever mentioned drones was that drones should get a medal. Not that drones are a humanitarian crisis, uh, 
making war, uh, you know, that our, our everybody in our government from Bush to Obama, Cheney to Rumsfeld to Holder to Hillary Clinton to John Kerry are all now war criminals for being implicit in the killing of innocent people overseas with these drone attacks. No mention of that on mainstream media. And then there's also the fiasco of the presidential debates where candidates like Gary Johnson were perf- purposefully excluded. Um, you know, it just it kind of makes you wonder the legitimacy and the credibility of these mainstream news outlets. And then you go to their coverage of Occupy. It's either they're against it or they're trying to say it's, you know, a Democratic Party movement when in fact it's an anti-two-party system movement started by Anonymous and still is. Um, despite attempts at the Democratic Party to co-opt it like the Republicans did to the Tea Party. Um, uh, again, every most, most revolutionary movements get co-opted some way or another, and uh, um, the Tea Party has been turned into, you know, uh, Rush Limbaugh instead of uh, a Ron Paul thing, you know, more of the Christian right than it is uh, a, a Ron Paul uh, um, anti-war movement. And that, that, you know, that goes along with every theme, especially to CNN's kowtowing to U.S. interests for foreign policy. So instead of being, you know, questioning journalists, uh, CNN reporter Amber Lyon was fired for telling the truth about Bahrain when CNN CNN runs pro-Bahraini programming when the Bahraini government is actually quite uh, criminal, human rights abuses, uh, 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 totalitarian government crushing political dissidents, uh, the police that that crush political dissent, use tear gas canisters paid for by your U.S. government and your taxes. So this song is about the distraction of TV called Mind Control. And then after that, speaking of mind control, lawyers that try to censor art, uh, that uh, try to say that, like the Judas Priest song that supposedly got these kids to try to kill themselves, which is all crap. The kid probably just wanted to get out of responsibility for murdering his friend. So I'm going to play that song right now. After this song, it's Better By You, Better Than Me by Judas Priest. So Mind Control by Sons of Liberty. And after that, Better By You, Better Than Me by Judas Priest. Be right back. KKSM, The Radio Revolution. Stole their liberty. Hypnotizing, it's paralyzing. 
Better by you, better than me by Judas Priest and wait for it. I didn't kill myself. I don't think anybody else did. Um, all I heard was a kick-ass song. Yeah, definitely, definitely lawyer opportunists and people who don't own their own minds can't control their own actions and then want to blame other people instead of being personally responsible like that kid who took his own friend's life without thinking and somebody, some lawyer, excuse my language, bunghole, cornholio, wanted to profit off that. How disgusting is that? And at the same time, the result of that would have been censorship of art. So even worse than his own profit would be a precedent set against art and artists everywhere. And certainly metal gods, Judas Priest, they don't deserve that. Coming up next is Snake Charmer by Rainbow. Here on KKSM AM 1320, The Radio Revolution.
The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and not of KKSM, Palomar College, its staff, the board of directors, or station management. You're listening to KKSM, Palomar College Radio. Yo, give me something to dance to. KKSM, Oceanside, AM 1320, The Radio Revolution. And that was Snake Charmer by Rainbow with uh, Ronnie James Dio. China boots. I love that lyric. <laughs> but it is 7.30. Time for your KKSM News Brief. Now, MSNBC host Rachel Maddow is not known for criticizing the Obama administration. She actually stormed out of a Reddit, Ask Me Anything, for people qu- asking her about her silence on Obama's war crimes overseas and the torture of Bradley Manning. But... Here's what she has to say on the National Defense Authorization Act. The tale of two speeches, both from the same man, both from President Obama. One speech that could have been billed as a ballad to the Constitution, a proclamation of American values, a repudiation of the lawless behavior of the last presidential administration, and another speech announcing a radical new claim of presidential power that is not afforded by the Constitution and that has never been attempted in American history, even by George W. Bush and Dick Cheney. Remarkably, President Obama today made both of those speeches simultaneously. Standing inside the National Archives in front of the actual original Constitution, President Obama delivered a blistering critique of the Bush administration in which he called their actions and their legacy literally a mess. Our government made a series of hasty decisions. Poorly planned, haphazard approach. Too often, we set those principles aside as luxuries that we could no longer afford. Our government made decisions based on fear rather than foresight. The decisions that were made over the last eight years established an ad hoc legal approach for fighting terrorism that was neither effective nor sustainable. An ad hoc legal approach for fighting terrorism that was neither effective nor sustainable. Ouch. Then, moments later, he announced his own, his own ad hoc legal approach for fighting terrorism. President Obama today proposed something new, something called prolonged detention. Doesn't sound that bad, right? Prolonged detention. Did you ever see the movie Minority Report? It was based on a Philip K. Dick short story. came out in 2002. It starred Tom Cruise, remember? He played a police officer in something called the Department of Pre-Crime. Pre-crime is where people are arrested and incarcerated to prevent crimes that they have not yet committed. Mr. Marks. My mandate of the District of Columbia Pre-Crime Division. I'm placing you under arrest for the future murder of Sarah Marks and Donald Dubinos. Take place today, April 22nd, at 0800 hours, four minutes. No, I didn't do anything. You didn't do anything, but you're gonna. Future murder. Creepy, right? Putting somebody in jail, not for what they've done, but for what you're very sure they're going to do? There may be a number of people who cannot be prosecuted for past crimes. In some cases because evidence may be tainted. But who nonetheless pose a threat to the security of the United States. We're not prosecuting them for past crimes, but we need to keep them in prison because of our expectation of their future crimes. Al-Qaeda terrorists and their affiliates are at war with the United States, and those that we capture, like other prisoners of war, must be prevented from attacking us again. Prevented. 
We will incarcerate people preventively. Preventive incarceration. Indefinite detention without trial. That's what, that's what this is. That's what President Obama proposed today. If you strip away the euphemisms. One civil liberties advocate told the New York Times today, quote, we've known this was on the horizon for many years, but we were able to hold it off with George Bush. The idea that we might find ourselves fighting with the Obama administration over these powers is really stunning. And it is stunning, particularly to hear President Obama claim the power to keep people in prison indefinitely with no charges against them, no conviction, no sentence, just imprisonment. It's particularly stunning to hear him make that claim in the middle of a speech that was all about the rule of law. But we must do so with an abiding confidence in the rule of law. Our government was defending positions that undermine the rule of law to ensure that they are in line with the rule of law. How can a president speak the kind of poetry that President Obama does about the rule of law and call for the power to indefinitely, preventively imprison people because they might commit crimes in the future. How can those two things coexist in the same man, even in the same speech? Well, that brings us to the self-consciously awkward, embarrassing part of this speech today. After condemning the Bush administration for what he called their ad hoc legal strategy, for trying to make things seem legal that patently weren't, this is what President Obama proposed. My administration has begun to reshape the standards that apply to ensure that they are in line with the rule of law. We must have clear, defensible, and lawful standards for those who fall into this category. We must have a thorough process of periodic review so that any prolonged detention is carefully evaluated and justified. Our goal is to construct a legitimate legal framework for the remaining Guantanamo detainees that cannot be transferred. And those, current, those Guantanamo detainees are currently on a hunger strike uh, because of their treatment. People have gone into Guantanamo that were innocent and have come out hardened criminals because of their experience. <laughs> and, you know, the same, you know, the same, you know, cautious approach that President Obama wants to take on indefinite detention is the same cautious approach they have been taking on drone strikes overseas, where you live in Pakistan, you have absolutely zero right to face your accuser which is President Obama and George Bush acolyte CIA head director John Brennan, champion of torture under the Bush administration, uh, choosing people that end up on this kill list. So you're in Pakistan. Somebody says you're a terrorist in the United States. You have no right to uh, defend yourself. And then suddenly, one day, you're obliterated into oblivion along with an entire block because you, the target, have only a 2% accuracy rate with these drone strikes. Drone strikes are 2% accurate, 98% is collateral, including women, children, purposeful bombings of funerals and weddings, double-tap drone strikes which kill first responders to try to save the innocent from dying. And they're going to use that same caution in regards to indefinite detention. That's why, uh, you know, the stand with Rand thing kind of fizzled away after the filibuster because, you know, he's only talking about U.S. citizens when, in fact, we are one people on this planet and he's using borderlines to divide us. That's very statist of Dr. Paul or Dr. Rand Paul. 
when he's supposed to be a libertarian, but I guess he's not. He's a, he calls him, he said he's not even a libertarian. He's a conservative, true and blue. So that's why I can't support Rand Paul because of the nationalism that he's playing along with. Ron Paul and Gary Johnson never played along with that. You know, I have it at the intro of my show. You know, Gary Johnson and Ron Paul repudiating what our foreign policy does to other people, not just American citizens. In national news, Bill Clinton on the Keystone Pipeline, he says, embrace it. Both President Obama and former President Clinton have endorsed the controversial Keystone Extra Large Pipeline. Most energy sources are heavily subsidized and receive many special privileges from the government, thanks to both parties. Subsidies go to either big oil or big green, as well as all existing nuclear plants, while at the same time preventing real alternative energy sources like thorium nuclear power, hemp biofuel, or forms of free, non-metered energy explored by Nikola Tesla. The two-party system has exposed themselves to be corporatist in our environment and any chance at a free market in energy down the drain to the benefit of large oil corporations or any kind of energy corporation, wind, solar, nuclear, that has um, ties to the government and thus their hands in the taxpayers' pockets. A federal judge rules national security letters unconstitutional. Judge Susan Ilston ordered the FBI to stop issuing such letters, which is a victory against the surveillance state and the Patriot Act. Bill Gates admits to chemtrails and geoengineering. The UK publication The Guardian has been reporting on a multi-million dollar fund by Microsoft founder Bill Gates on geoengineering, which is releasing toxic chemicals into the atmosphere to stop global warming, so they say. Logically, we should be leaving the atmosphere alone, not adding new stuff to it without much knowledge of its effects. However, a balloon hovering at 80,000 feet over Fort Sumner in New Mexico will release sulfates into the atmosphere within a year. The question of secret weather modification programs is no longer a fringe conspiracy issue. New evidence shows that the CIA and MI6 knew Iraq had no weapons of mass destruction and had no involvement with 9-11. Never mind that Donald Rumsfeld was cozy with Saddam in the 80s under the Reagan administration and saw to it that Saddam got anthrax and other biological warfare weapons. Of course, later on, became his enemy, which led to the Gulf War. The CIA and MI6 deliberately dismissed intelligence that said Iraq had no WMDs and had no involvement in 9-11, and they received this intelligence before the invasion happened. In other national news, the New York Police Department will track every car entering Manhattan. New license plate reading technology will be able to track every car entering the city. When the new program is installed, no one will be able to enter the city without being recorded in a database. An African-American teen killed by the NYPD sparks a three-day protest. Kamani Gray was surrounded by a group of his peers when the police approached. They claimed he was adjusting his waistband and then pulled a gun when they fatally shot the teen. However, most people are claiming that there was no gun. 
the police, the official police story is that he was, but we all know how much they can embellish the truth to protect their asses. His mother says he was slaughtered and wants to know why. The police have been cracking down on the protests in response to this murder, and a few protesters fought back against the crackdown with small objects hitting some police officers, but none compares to the police officers having firearms. The protest brings into question police accountability, authority, and whether badges grant extra rights or not. The hacktivist group Anonymous has released the badge numbers of several NYPD officers that were in riot control gear for the Saturday 3-16-2013 vigil in memory of 16-year-old Kimani Kiki Gray in East Flatbush, Brooklyn, New York. I'm going to read some of those badge numbers. 9709-16538-2291 question mark incomplete. 23435-9552-1517 from the Staten Island Task Force. 22230-18414, Officer Morales. 20793-0517, question mark zero five one seven incomplete, Staten Island Task Force. 1581, Staten Island Task Force. 31854-2155-26049-25508-11299-25914, Officer Boystack. And the whole list, uh, you could search for it online. Uh, anonymous made many of the police who tried to crack down on the peaceful protest in support of the death of Kamani Gray in riot gear. In other news, Iron Maiden drummer Cliff Bur- or Clive Burr, almost sounds like Cliff Burton from Metallica, but uh, Iron Maiden drummer Clive Burr passes away after complications with multiple sclerosis. Weather outside here in San Marcos, where KKSM broadcasts out of, is 58 degrees. There are um, no uh, traffic uh, problems in the North County San Diego area, where you, you can where you can pick up AM 1320 from your car. Broadcasting live from Palomar College at KKSM Radio. My name is Alex Fiddle, host here of Free Thought Radio, which continues right now. Up next on the playlist. I have two songs. One is the new Voivod. And uh, the song is called Empathy from the Enemy, and it's from their new 2013 album, Target Earth. And then after that, Individual Thought Patterns by Death from the album Individual Thought Patterns, which um, has been, which was reissued in 2011, uh, remixed and remastered, uh, and that is the version that I am going to be playing. So Empathy for the Enemy by Voivod off their new album, Target Earth, and then after that, Individual Thought Patterns by Death. Here on KKSM, The Radio Revolution, freethoughtmedia.org. Support the show. Donate Bitcoin.
Big KSM. We must be flipping out. AM 1320. The Radio Revolution. The month of March is Women's History Month. Here on KKSM, we are taking the time to showcase several great female figures from around the world. Theodora Tony Nathan was the first woman to receive an electoral vote in a presidential election. She was the vice presidential nominee for the first ever Libertarian Party ticket for president with John Hospers. Nathan owned her own insurance agency, music publishing firm, a decorating service, and was a radio and television producer and host in Eugene, Oregon. She was nominated by the Libertarian Party Convention delegates to be the vice presidential nominee in 1972. A Republican elector, Roger McBride, described himself as a faithless elector and cast a protest vote for Hospers and Nathan over the dreaded Nixon Agnew ticket. She was the first woman to receive an electoral vote. She received an award at the 2012 Libertarian Convention for her achievements, where Governor Gary Johnson was nominated to the presidential ticket, where he went on to be the first Libertarian presidential candidate to get over one million votes. Nathan announced Johnson's nomination victory at the convention. Keep listening to KKSM for more great history on the females that have helped shape our world. KKSM is your radio revolution. You're listening to KKSM AM 1320 Oceanside. Zombie Dance by the Cramps, and of course, in celebration here of Women's History Month, of course, Poison Ivy, guitarist of the Cramps. And I, I want to open up the phone lines here, 760-736-8375. My guest for tonight was Epen Thampy, Director of Americans for Forfeiture Reform, who seek to reform or abolish civil asset forfeiture as a police tactic, which is basically legalized theft. You don't even have to get charged with a crime to be jacked by the police. Um, if 
anybody is brave enough to come forward with their own asset forfeiture stories, we don't even have to give your name. Um, uh, unless, you know, case is ongoing, that's a legal uh, uh, stipulation that you may not want to disclose any uh, things going on with your case. But if it's already closed, I would love to hear anybody's civil asset forfeiture stories. Uh, we could talk on anything about the news of the day, about the music, movies, of course, uh, you know, giving voice to alternatives in those areas as opposed to the mainstream. Now, while uh, I'm giving you a, a chance to dial your phones, and hopefully not while you're driving listening to AM 1320 in your car, hopefully if you're at home on Cox 957 or uh, freethoughtmedia.org, but I want to talk about the Bitcoin currency. Now, for, for those of you that don't know what um, Bitcoins are, it's kind of like an alternative currency. Let me pull this video up, and I'm going to play exactly what Bitcoins are here for you. What is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is the first decentralized digital currency. Bitcoins are digital coins you can send through the internet. Compared to other alternatives, Bitcoins have a number of advantages. Bitcoins are transferred directly from person to person via the net without going through a bank or clearinghouse. This means that the fees are much lower, you can use them in every country, your account cannot be frozen, and there are no prerequisites or arbitrary limits. Let's look at how it works. Bitcoins are generated all over the internet by anybody running a free application called a Bitcoin miner. Mining requires a certain amount of work for each block of coins. This amount is automatically adjusted by the network such that Bitcoins are always created at a predictable and limited rate. Your Bitcoins are stored in your digital wallet, which might look familiar if you use online banking. When you transfer Bitcoins, an electronic signature is added. After a few minutes, the transaction is verified by a miner and permanently and anonymously stored in the network. The Bitcoin software is completely open source and anybody can review the code. Bitcoin is changing finance the same way the web changed publishing. When everyone has access to a global market, great ideas flourish. Let's look at some examples of how Bitcoins are already used today. You can purchase video games, gifts, books, servers, and alpaca socks. Several currency exchanges exist where you can trade your Bitcoins for dollars, euros, and more. Bitcoins are a great way for small businesses and freelancers to get noticed. It doesn't cost anything to start accepting them, there are no chargebacks or fees, and you'll get additional business from the Bitcoin economy. For your first Bitcoins and more information, visit WeUseCoins.com. And another advantage of Bitcoin is it's not tied to a central bank that uses those dollars for blood-drenched wars for oil. And right now, Bitcoins are trading at $51 per Bitcoin. And it is steadily going. It actually surpassed the price of silver. Um, so it, it has been steadily going up. It is an it has its advantages as an anonymous currency, um, um, and, and so many others, um, which really give you the ability uh, to forego any sort of possible economic or, or finance or monetary collapse. Um, although many, uh, I, I was listening, to, you know, to Adam Kokesh and he was making a great point about you know the scaremongers that have been saying that the dollar is going to collapse for years. Um, while you know the practices of money printing put us on that trajectory of collapse. Um, the only thing that has been propping it up is, you know, the U.S. government standing in the world. So that is all depending on political will and the fact that 
our GDP or our debt to GDP ratio has not reached 100% until late last year. And now it's past it. And the, also another thing that would uh, be the instigator of a monetary collapse would be if the Federal Reserve themselves are printing all new ongoing debt obligations, meaning that we have zero foreign lenders, that only the insiders and the central banks are buying up treasuries to fund the U.S. government. That hasn't happened yet either. Uh, last year and the year before, the Federal Reserve was buying up to 70% of all new treasury. So that's pretty a pretty high amount. That means only a fraction is absorbed by other countries. That means 30%. But then again, all central banks of the world are very intertwined through the World Bank and the IMF, and then above that, the Bank for International Settlements, and above that, who knows, the, the richest of the rich, the super class, who profit off of war and debt, which is slavery. Um, so that hasn't happened yet. Um, we are at now at 90% um, of Federal Reserve is buying 90, up to 90% of all new debt obligations. Of course, that's going to fluctuate for every uh, treasury you know, auction, um, depending on the instance, but up to 90%. So that number has gone up. So only around 10% is the least amount of people that are from other countries that are buying up our debt. That is very, very alarming, especially when our budget is going up. The sequester hitting people like veterans by taking away their benefits instead of going after the real elephant in the room, which is our empire, which is our unsustainable entitlements, which is our police state, which is the war on drugs, which is our the many, many departments that government shouldn't be involved in, like the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Energy, the Department of Education, the Department of Commerce. You go down the list. These things could be abolished and billions saved uh, and services would improve and we'd be a whole lot... I mean, who needs the Department of Homeland Security? Is anybody really going to defend Bush's brainchild that is causing the police state? That is really all those things that we I was talking about before in the news brief. Anything that the Homeland Security uh, Department, like Obama talking about indefinite detention. That is not, you know, they could say in the public that it's all for Al-Qaeda, but it's really meant for you and I. And it's really meant not just especially for you and I as American citizens, but for political dissidents. So maybe the Republicans using uh, their cozy, you know, agent in a police department uh, to say, oh, this person is a political activist. He's a terrorist, quote unquote. Or a Democrat saying that about a Republican, or the Republicans and Democrats colluding together to get rid of the third party problem, which is the Libertarians, the Greens, Justice, so on and so forth, down the list. Since, you know, both parties support the TSA, both parties support the Department of Homeland Security, both parties are really in bed with each other. They create the illusion of divisiveness, but they really um, want to crack down on the third party uprising. Uh, to protect their own political power. So it will be used against political dissidents for political agendas, not for terrorism. Um, same with the cyber attacks thing. They want to go after anonymous, not cyber terrorists. And I think anonymous is more like Ben Franklin than they are Osama bin Laden. But going back to, you know, being able to survive a possible 
economic collapse without sounding like, you know, G. Gordon Liddy on the, you know, buy my gold on Fox News commercial. You don't want to go for that. You know, Bitcoin is an actual real usable currency, whereas these guys are more just, you know, Bernie Madoffs of the gold industry paying for, uh, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars worth of Fox News ads. Um, and, you know, again, being able to use it anonymously, small businesses are not, are starting to accept it. In New Hampshire, thanks to the Free State Project, all the free staters, businesses are accepting Bitcoins. Um a lot of people that are selling metal bullion like gold, silver, and copper, which is real currency as opposed to G. Gordon Liddy, buy my gold on Fox News. You know, they're accept so you could Bitcoin your Bitcoins grow in value, even though you submitted like twenty bucks, it goes up to sixty. You can now buy some silver coins or some copper coins uh, from a lot of places that um, sell metals, um, which really, you know, is, is very good. Because unfortunately, someone like Bernard von Nothaus, who produced something called the Liberty Dollar, because he called it the dollar, he is now in jail. Uh, because the FBI went after him because of legal tender laws, which is the Federal Reserve's monopoly on all our lives to be able to control our money. So, in order to kind of subvert the, the poverty caused by money printing... Uh, the progressive poverty that is just going to get worse and worse because we're all stuck with one unit of currency, the dollar, when we could have so much more choices that would enable us to not be in poverty anymore, that would enable us to not use dollars that are drenched in blood from wars for oil. Wouldn't we want to choose that? Bitcoin, is, I, I, I definitely am a supporter. And if you go to freethoughtmedia.org, you could find the Bitcoin address to drop a tip because as a student unemployed uh you know all this all all the work uh you know uh you know support you could donate to wikileaks using bitcoin um etc etc it's very it's a very great medium that can help make the federal reserve obsolete moving on with the playlist given that there's a new pope i want to play a song that's uh that I, I want to make a tribute to because, you know, I, I honestly don't care. You know, they've molested so many. I'm an atheist, but I'm a, tolerant of other people's religions. But organized religion is where I get lost because it, they are giant tax pay or tax evading money laundering organizations that really just funnel money until the big to the big ones like the Vatican. You know the the uh, our government of the U.S. funnels your tax dollars to Saudi Arabia, even though the people there don't like us because we're in bed with their uh, prince, their princes, and everything like that. We get to have a secret drone base over there, and of course the taxes that go to the Israeli government to uphold an apartheid and uh, hard stances against the human rights of uh, Palestinians that really the entire populace of Palestinians have to suffer because of a few militant groups. And are the militant groups just a product of the initial, uh, you know, uh, taking of their land that if they wouldn't, there wouldn't be such a thing. You know, the whole thing about blowback, I think I, I do not, uh, like organized religion because it's not so much about the religion. It's about money and power. And of course, respecting states, that is the state of the Vatican 
And the Vatican itself is engaging in a few interventions, as in wars. And uh, I believe it, it might be in my news headlines here that I'll get to later, but they're going to engage in an intervention in the Falklands with, this, with their Swiss army or whatever, the, the Vatican Royal Guard or whatever they're called. I don't even, see, I don't care enough to know. But this, this next song is dedicated to the Pope, new Pope. Uh, this is by Frank Zappa. And it's called Jesus Thinks You're a Jerk. Here on KKSM, AM 1320. Yes, Hallelujah. friends. Pass the plate around, friends. Join us, friends. There's a ugly little weasel about three foot nine. Face puffed up from crying and lying. A sweet little hubby sucking prong part time in the name of the Lord. Get a cool little shrew, oh yeah, oh yeah. Jesus thinks you're a jerk. Would he really choose Tammy to do his work? Says that he's the one Oh he sure is If Armageddon is your idea Of family fun And he's got some plan for you Now tell me that ain't true
back of the truck If you ain't born again They wanna mess you up Screaming no abortion No siree Life's too precious Can't you see What's that hanging from a neighbor's tree Why it looks like colored folks to me They've been doing it for years. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the dynamic Eric Buxton. Imagine, if you will, a multi-millionaire TV evangelist saved from Korean combat duty by his father, a U.S. senator. Studied law, but is not qualified to practice it father of a love child who in adulthood hosts the remnants of Papa's religious propaganda program. Claims not to be a faith healer, but has in the past dealt sternly with everything from hemorrhoids to hurricanes. Involved with funding for an undeclared war in Central America, claiming Ronald Reagan and Oliver North as close friends. Involved in suspicious tax avoidance schemes under investigation for 16 months by the IRS. <laughs> Claims to be a man of God, currently seeking the United States presidency, hoping we will all follow him into the Twilight Zone. But hey, what if Pat gets in the White House? No way, I. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the rights of certain people disappear mysteriously. Now, wouldn't that sort of qualify as an American tragedy? If they cover it up Saying Jesus told it to me I mean vapor type We're like this, okay? I mean that I hope we never see that day Right here, it's hot In the land Of the free Or someday will we 92 
Jesus Thinks You're a Jerk by Frank Zappa from the album Broadway the Hard Way. My tribute to the Pope. <laughs> Anyways, let's see what's up next. Um, here is one song by the great, fantastic guitarist Jason Becker before the news break. Uh, this is a song, a really classical type song called Air and it is much to Jason Becker's style being able to play Paganini when he was 16 before he even struck a record deal the next year when he was 17 hanging out with Marty Friedman from uh, Megadeth before he was in Megadeth with their band Cacophony. So this is Air by Jason Becker here on KKSM, the Radio Revolution.
KKSM. It's outrageous, Phil. AM1320. The Radio Revolution. Whoa! Give it a rest! Beat it! Put the music back on! Hey everybody, Jay here reminding you to tune in to the show that will keep your head bobbing and your feet kicking, The Soapbox. Now why would we call it The Soapbox? You have important things to say, you use a soapbox. So tune in every Friday from 9 till noon for music that will keep you dancing and news about concerts and festivals around the area. Here at KKSM AM 1320, The Radio Revolution. When the revolution comes, where will you hide? Under my bed. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and not of KKSM, Palomar College, its staff, the board of directors, or station management. You're listening to KKSM, Palomar College Radio. <laughs> Dude, I feel like a robotic tree. <laughs> you tripping balls? <laughs> <laughs> You're getting weird. Okay, KKSM, the radio revolution. <laughs> Welcome back to Free Thought Radio here on KKSM every Monday from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, it is 8.30. Time for your KKSM News Brief. Now, before I played the audio from Bradley Manning's testification, which is unauthorized and leaked thanks to the Freedom of the Press Foundation, I also played Obama's speech on indefinite detention, where in the same speech he condemns the Bush administration's you know, approach to an ad hoc legal system through things like the Patriot Act, but this, at the same time, you know, talked about indefinite detention and, uh, you know, the Guantanamo Bay prisoners going back to how he's not, you know, not going to close Guantanamo, how the treatment of Guantanamo prisoners regarding torture, no charge, no trial, no due process, everything go- is not going to happen because, you know, unlike conservative Republicans would have you believe the Constitution literally says in the Fifth Amendment, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty or property, not no citizen. Don't let their nationalistic language fool you. I also discussed Bill, Bill Clinton supporting the Keystone Pipeline, a federal judge ruling that the national security letters are unconstitutional, which is a victory against the surveillance state and the Patriot Act. Bill Gates is funding uh, uh, geoengineering, which you may have heard in the Nomer chemtrails. Uh, new evidence shows that the CIA and MI6 knew Iraq had no weapons of mass destruction, uh, as well as their uninvolvement in 9-11. And my guest for next week is Cindy Sheehan, who protested George W. Bush's Crawford Ranch over the son of her, or the death of her son, son of her death, <laughs> um, over the fact that this war was predicated on lies. There, just there, right there for you. It was predicated on lies. The New York Police Department will track every car entering Manhattan. And a three-day protest is sparked by the killing 
of teenager Kamani Gray by the New York Police Department, who claimed he had a gun. But like all police stories, a lot of real eyewitnesses were saying that he didn't have a gun. Now to continue with the headlines that I did not get to yet, uh, in national news, police cannot engage traffic stops uh, without probable cause in Utah. A U.S. District Court in Utah ruled against the tactic when all charges were dropped against Ramon Lopez, uh, who was pulled over for having a towel in his window. Uh, note to anybody with <laughs> who has a towel in their window, you know, <laughs> reach behind you and grab it. Colorado gay and lesbian couples are concerned about lukewarm civil union rules. After the passage of civil unions in Colorado, couples are beginning to see the unfair deal and are also waiting for federal decisions regarding the Defense of Marriage Act in order for their unions to really be valid. Uh, the government is calling cyber attacks the greatest threat, but only a remote possibility that they'll actually happen. The ACLU reports that a Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and Armed Services declared cyber attacks a threat, though that the possibility of one happening in the near future was fairly remote. So civil libertarians are concerned that in the name of cybersecurity, the government will abuse that to squash opposing political parties' efforts online or to crack down on hacktivists like Anonymous rather than real terrorists. The U.S. is subsidizing Honduran police equipment, which has been used in their notorious death squads. A new report reveals rogue police death squads going without scrutiny in Honduras, acting as judge, jury, and executioner with their equipment to kill, provided by the U.S., much like the tear gas canisters used to kill dissenters in Bahrain are funded by the U.S. This calls to question as to the consequences of having gun control on average citizens, but not on the police. Instead, they actually have militarization of the police force. When cops have guns and the, and the people don't, there are these types of situations. Judge Dredd is best remained in the fictional world. Maryland considers marijuana decriminalization. The Senate is prepared to vote on such legalization which would reduce penalties for possessing cannabis. An Obama advisor states that Hillary Clinton is the strongest candidate for 2016. The same Hillary that started the witch hunt against whistleblowers, the witch hunt against Julian Assange and overseeing the torture of Bradley Manning, instigating conflict with the wars in Libya and now with the interventions in Syria, and many more tactics that are more common to a Republican than a Democrat. It would take a nation of sheep to not see past her tyranny and that she's more like a Republican than a Democrat, especially in foreign policy. And when it comes to the torture of Bradley Manning, I will say, no, I will not support her. I will support Bradley Manning instead. No Bradley Manning supporter should take her seriously. In fact, we should all move past the two-party system, both the Republicans and the Democrats now, and leave them all behind, or will we get fooled again? Obama is saying that Iran is one year away from a nuclear weapon. Now the president has been crying wolf, 
as well as his uh, as well as John Kerry and Hillary Clinton and many in his administration have been crying wolf on weapons of mass destruction from Syria and Iran, much like Bush did with Iraq, which has just been revealed that that was all a lie. We're drumming up for another war. So draft age folks like myself ought to be aware of this. Obama is saying a nuclear Iran is a red line for war. A lawsuit accuses the EPA of ignoring the harms of pesticides. Given that pesticide pioneers Monsanto have their former executives up and down the FDA, it would only make sense that in our corporatocracy the EPA is no better. A federal judge will consider whether to dismiss a sweeping lawsuit claiming the the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency allowed hundreds of pesticides to be used despite evidence of harmful effects on more than 200 endangered and threatened species. An anti-cannabis New York politician busted for pot. A Putnam County assemblyman received a ticket for marijuana possession after a traffic stop for speeding. Assemblyman Steve Katz voted no on a bill to legalize marijuana. The ACLU wins in a quest to get the CIA's drone data. The American Civil Liberties Union won around in its bid to get information from the Central Intelligence Agency on its use of drones as a U.S. appeals court ruled public statements by officials had already disclosed the program. A New Hampshire man was beaten by the, by the police and gets a $200,000 settlement. The cops go unscathed, meaning they didn't, didn't, they didn't have any charges levied upon them. This was more of a kind of a silent payoff. U.S. House members to reignite Ron Paul's marijuana legalization bill. Several members in Congress reintroduced the bill. The U.N. wants the U.S. government to crack down on legal marijuana states. The head of the U.N.'s drug agency wants the U.S. to stop the implementation of laws passed in Washington and Colorado, despite a movie narrated by Morgan Freeman that sort of had something to do with the U.N. Weird. <laughs> Spy agencies could access Americans' financial records. The Obama administration is drawing up plans to give all U.S. spy agencies um, full access to a massive database that contains financial data on American citizens and others who want to bank in the country, according to a Treasury uh, Department document seen by Reuters. And moving on to international news, uh, U.S. to increase missile defenses against North Korea. As uh, uh, Tim Kirby of uh, RT t uh, Television said, isn't the point of mutually assured destruction uh, having it like a, a type of Mexican standoff that that is? If we can shoot down missiles, doesn't it take away that safeguard of a Mexican standoff and further agitate North Korea? Is North Korea a country that we really want to agitate? Is this conflict a result of 50 years of blowback coming back to haunt us for having our troops stationed over there for the past 50 years since the Korean War? Iran is stepping up their support for Syria. As I have said, you know, Syria is, is a stepping stone for a war with Iran. And the U.S.-funded rebels are about to have some serious challenges from the Iranian government coming to the aid of Assad. Even though I, do, 
I'm not saying I support the Assad administration, uh, but both, I think, are evil. Al-Qaeda members are laden in the rebellion that are receiving U.S. tax dollars. We have created this problem by creating the Syrian opposition in the first place. We're slowly moving down the track to World War III. We have not learned a damn thing from our past. And peace with Palestine is not on Netanyahu's agenda. Netanyahu and his Likud party will not curb settlements and will not work towards a possible two-state solution, which would mean moving uh, uh, back to pre-1967 border uh, uh, scenarios. They seek to continue the apartheid until there is one state, Israel. And in other news, uh, Iron Maiden drummer Clive Burr passes away after complications from multiple sclerosis. It is 57 degrees out, outside here in North County, San Diego. And there are no problem areas in traffic. So that has been your KKSM News Brief. I'm Alex Fiddle, your host of Free Thought Radio, Mondays 6 to 9, freethoughtmedia.org. Now I want to play a few songs. Given that it is Women's History Month, I want to play uh, two... Uh, you know, I don't usually play techno on the on the show, even though I'm a, I'm a fan of a, of a few uh, types of uh, you know. It really I like everything. It really depends on the artist and their individuality and their ability to stand beyond the mold and not be trendy and be uh, honest with their with their work. So I want to play two uh, great uh, electronic bands that are have some female fronted uh, uh, vocalists, and this first one is called Evaporate by Alternate. And then after that, Think About the Way by Ice MC. So this is Evaporate by Alternate. And then after that, Think About the Way this is the sound of by Ice MC, KKSM, The Radio Revolution.
Me dip on the attack for shock and rock the flock around the clock non-stop as I would tell ya. Music is the vibe, so open up your eyes. Time is running out, so find the Diggy, 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 bong, diggy, bang. Bong, diggy, diggy, bong, diggy, bang. Italian, Spanish, Mexican. Yes, God put on the earth all kind of man. Japanese, German, and Colombian, Chinese, and the Russian, and the African, American, Venetian, Canadian. Brazilian to the Syrian, the Indian and Jamaican
a current Palomar College student having trouble in any of the following subjects? English, accounting, history, science, mathematics, or a foreign language such as, but not limited to, Spanish, French, or Japanese? Well, the Star Tutoring Center is there for you. They are located at the San Marcos campus on the first floor of the library. They are open on Mondays from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., Tuesdays through Thursdays 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Fridays and Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 12 noon, and they are closed every Sunday or on holidays. Tutoring service is free to any currently enrolled Palomar College students and is available on a walk-in, first-come, first-served basis. Sessions last 30 minutes and no advanced sign-ins or reservations are permitted. For more information about the Star Tutoring Center, give them a call at 760-744-1150 at extension 2448. The Star Tutoring Center, for students taking academic responsibility. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and not of KKSM, Palomar College, its staff, the board of directors, or station management. You're listening to KKSM, Palomar College Radio. The revolution is here. The revolutionary, you know. What is it revolting again? Hey, well, you know, like boring music and stuff. Yo, man, you listen to KKSM, and we are the radio revolution. Well, duh. Welcome back. KKSM, the Radio Revolution. This is Free Thought Radio every Monday, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. My guest for this hour was Epen Thampi, Director of Americans for Forfeiture Forum. If any of you think civil asset forfeiture is as evil as I do, you'll want to download the podcast tomorrow at face, or no, sorry, mediafire.com slash freethoughtradio, or simply go to iTunes, subscribe, Look for Free Thought and, and uh, look for Free Thought AAC on the iTunes store. Everything is for free to download, so be sure to, to catch the show, the full show. When it will be up tomorrow, my guest next week is Shindy Sheehan. She was Roseanne Barr's vice presidential nominee for Roseanne's presidential run in the Peace and Freedom Party. Uh, Cindy is most famously known for protesting uh, George Bush's ranch over the death of her son, in the Iraq war, which she believed was based on lies. And yet now with this new thing about CIA and the MI6, knowing that there were, that there were no weapons of mass destruction and Iraq had no connection to 9-11. Gee. And uh, continuing with news headlines that I didn't get to yet, um, in national news, uh, the Treasury Secretary is, wor- is not worried about economic bubbles. Treasury Secretary Jack Lew is not worried about economic bubbles given that they are good for what he does. The Federal Reserve creates money out of thin air to loan to the government in exchange for Treasury stocks and mortgage-backed securities, among other things, severely redirecting large amounts of financial resources into areas that are not needed, creating artificial demand and thus a bubble. This is good for big corporations, the government, the banks, and certainly the Treasury uh, Department. So... Bubbles, yeah, uh, not such a good thing. Reuters journalist indicted for allegedly conspiring with Anonymous. Matthew Keyes, a social media editor at Reuters, has been charged with an, an indictment for allegedly conspiring with members of the hacker group Anonymous to hack into a Tribune company website, the Justice Department announced. 
Obama to issue international ru- rules on drones in a do as I say, not as I do type of you know precedent, given the given what they, we've been doing as the Obama administration ramped up the Bush created drone warfare, killing many innocent civilians and children in other countries, which we are not at war with making the commander-in-chief a war criminal-in-chief. He is hypocritically seeking to impose global drone rules for other countries in a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do fashion. Likely, the human rights abuses caused by our drone warfare will continue, but Obama is quick to point out that at least he's not Dick Cheney. Maybe so, but still the same puppet masters as Cheney are pulling Obama's strings as well. Anonymous launches Operation Angel. In response to the death of Aaron Swartz, the hacktivist group have launched a campaign to have U.S. Attorney Carmen Ortiz fired, as well she should be. In international news, the Iraq war totals 112,000 civilian deaths. A new report uh, totals the civilian death toll at 112,000. So not only did the Iraqi government have nothing to do with 9-11, but the people had to suffer and die for such non-complicity, including our own uh, military having uh, to die, having their, you know, you know what they're signed up to do, uh, you know, being taken in vain. And um, I talked about the U.S. increasing missile offenses for North Korea. You know, mutually assured destruction is supposed to be a Mexican standoff. This is going to put us in even more danger uh, by, you know, not having that type of a safeguard. Iran is stepping up support for Syria because we've created the rebellion, which includes some members of al-Qaeda within that rebellion that we're sending our tax dollars to. Um, This is a stepping stone to a war with Iran. And I talked about how peace with Palestine is not on Netanyahu's agenda. The apartheid will continue. A new pope was elected, and their global criminality continues. So the new king of the child molesters took office. As if Pope Benedict's past as a Hitler youth wasn't a good enough precedent, Pope Francis's past has him linked with a brutal military dictatorship's practices in Argentina. I just have to throw up my arms and say, who the hell cares about the goddamn Pope and their international money laundering organization? Mexico's monarch butterfly population is smallest in years. The population has died off in Mexico as well as in the U.S.'s Corn Belt. But uh, the, the leading responsibility has been uh, shifted against, uh, you know, that it's caused by GMO foods as well as the lack of biodiversity in large farms, that being, you know, there's only corn and mostly GMO corn. And by the way, people eat these foods too. You know, in other news, former Iron Maiden... I was going to play King Crimson song, but I think I should play some Iron Maiden. So give me a, a minute while I look up a, uh, what uh, um, Clive Burr uh, discography is. Sorry for me being a noob here. Um, so jump to discography. All right. So let's play something from Killers, shall we say. This is... What 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 it would be a good song? Hmm. Well, at the title track, Killers. All right. So thank you all for tuning in. Next week is Cindy Sheehan. Be sure to visit freethoughtmedia.org. This is Killers by Aaron Maiden. Rest in peace, Clive Burr. 
Thank you all for listening. Tune in next week, Mondays, 6 to 9 p.m., KKSM, The Radio Revolution. KKSM Oceanside, in your car at AM 1320, on your TV at Cox Cable 957, or streaming online at palomarcollegeradio.com, or download the Ustream app for your smartphone. KKSM, 
The Radio Revolution.